Welcome in to episode two of the HQ podcast with no clever name. As you know, I promised in the first episode of this podcast that I would try to continually grow. And, you know, the first step I thought was why aren't I at least recording the video, right? Um, The purpose of this presentation is just to present the audio, but I mean, really there's no reason that more people shouldn't be able to see my, see, see my beautiful face. You know what I mean? And read my ironic hats, Squidbillies hats and things like that. I'll still publish the audio to SoundCloud and Stitcher and wherever else you guys ask me to publish it. And I don't think I'll always publish the video here. In fact, I may just start a second channel or put this on the MTG HQ Plays channel or something like that so I don't clog up the feed with the podcast. But for now, I will shill to you to come over to SoundCloud and follow it so you get notified when I upload a podcast. And you can take me anywhere you go. Listen to me while you're in the shower, when you're laying in bed at night and you're having a little trouble falling asleep. You can tune in to the sultry sounds of your boy, Jeremy, from MTG Headquarters. And today's episode, I'm going to try a little different format as well. I'm not going to talk about just one thing for a half an hour. I'm going to try to bounce around and cover a little of everything. So let's get... I think it's probably time for... MTG News. So this week, early this week on Monday, uh, 220 February... 20th, we saw data dump from Wizards that is probably set to signify the start of modern Master Spoiler season. Now, I think I want to talk a little bit about what we saw in the uh, unboxings or on, in the uh, marketing pieces. Um, I thought it was curious that they rolled out first. Modern, they rolled out Modern Masters and Amonkhet packaging. So they didn't have two separate articles. I thought that was interesting because Modern Masters is popular enough to stand alone. And this might be a classic HQ tinfoil hat idea. But I thought it was curious that Blake Rasmussen decided to publish both the Modern Masters packaging as well as the much later released Amon Cat. So Modern Masters comes out March 17th, less than a month. And Amon Cat, not till April, the end of April. So we've got March, April, well, two, two months and a week. And Modern Masters is three weeks away, but it has to share the spotlight with Amon Cat, which again is curious. Um, I, I do think something funny is going on with Modern Masters 2017. I don't know what it is yet. Speculation is running rampant. I spent about 20, 30 minutes on the phone today with Rudy um, as we bounced different conspiracy theories off each other. Um, But neither one of us, we both admitted, neither one of us really knew. I think the packaging looks great for Modern Masters. It's that classic Modern Masters blue. We have what is genuinely assumed as some new hip Noah's Arcade looking Snapcaster Mage on the box. The pack art we've seen features 
um, Grizzlebrand, Domri Raid, and then a two a two dollar uh, Mythic three color Angel that I can't think of the name of her right now. And this got a lot of people up in arms this week because pre spoilers, this is the first thing we have, so everything is really speculative at this point. However, in the last few Modern Master sets, we saw Dark Confident on the pack. We saw um, the cards that people really wanted to pull on the Modern Masters packs. If I look at the Modern Masters um, 2015 pack art, um, I'm searching the database. <laughs> we had Karn, Noble Hierarch, um, Vendillion Click. All these are very high value, $30, $40, $50 cards even currently. Now we're looking at a $10 to $12 promo that's been reprinted into Oblivion um, in Grizzlebrand, which people are excited about, so I don't want to shit on that. But then Damirad, who cares? You know, yeah, it might be cool for draft. I think with Damirad and uh, this angel, which is a three-color angel, I believe, um, we may be in for one interesting conspiracy theory I'll share with you is that there's some sort of crazy rare land cycle in this set because of all the multicolor we're seeing already. There could be something to that. No, no, I don't think it will be fetch lands. I think if it were fetch lands, that would actually kind of suck because if we want to see a good reprint of fetch lands, it has to come in like a sta in a standard legal set. It can't come in these limited print run sets because it won't do enough for the price of those staples or price of those uh, cards to drive them down. That's the same problem I have when Wizards of the Coast goes and does a reprint of something everyone needs, but then they reprint it at Mythic. They're effectively uh, completely destroying its power to really make a card affordable. Now, it does drop the price some, but had it been reprinted at Rare, things would be a lot better. Things like Wasteland and stuff like that. You know, if they would have shifted that, um, you know, to Mythic, uh, it just would not have done very much. We also saw um, on Ket pack art come out today. And if you're watching the video, I'm kind of looking at it on screen. If you're just listening to the podcast, um, if you just Google, you know, on my Ket pack art, it's gold, very gold looking. We've got what to me is clearly um, several different gods. Um, and I don't remember what video it was on or if it was in a live stream or in Discord, but I remember waxing philosophic about the likelihood that we would see the return of gods in Amonkhet, and uh, this certainly does add a little fuel to that speculative fire. They also showed what the pre-release kit would look like, as well as the bundle slash fat pack. Interesting stuff, like I said, essentially sharing the spotlight of Modern Masters. In fact, Really, two-thirds of this announcement are, uh, is Amonkhet-related, and Modern Masters is kind of relegated to just, you know, second fiddle because they also spoiled the Amonkhet Planeswalker decks, which uh, we can see now. We don't know the cards, but we see feature Gideon and Liliana. Is this some new Liliana? 
I noticed um, Liliana, apparently, you know, you can't see her tattoos anymore, um, but you can see her tattoos on the box art. I wonder if there's a lore reason for that. We get more and more Gideon. I wonder if Wizards of the Coast has found that pushing Gideon is uh, more effective than Jace. I mean, they had previously put Jace in uh, everything. Um, here we see Gideon versus Liliana, well, or you might just be listening to that, but that's going to be in the new Planeswalker decks. I think the Planeswalker decks are an interesting um, product, definitely better than intro packs, but um, they could be a little better. And now they've only had, um, what, two of them come out. So I hope that they improve their power a little bit. I want to see these Planeswalker decks be better. You know, I know, you know, one step away from FNM would be good. You know, it doesn't have to be an FNM competitive deck, but Let's see some better cards in them. Let's continue to push their power so that people can get a decent deck for 20, 30 bucks, you know? The other big splash came out today. And if you're looking at the visual cast, you're seeing them. Um, if you're not, you're just hearing about them, of course. And that is the uh, fact that we're going to have full art lands in Amonkhet. Um, the interesting thing they did was to limit them to, to actually try and make them rare so we're going to have the regular land cycle and then one in every four packs we're going to have a full art land what does that tell you um i'm not sure i mean they want to try to replace value with full arts when there was a full art in every pack they didn't retain any value maybe um what it tells me is foil versions of these lands will be very expensive um common theme of them they're all beautiful um a variety of artists in here no therese nielsen or um john avon um, but they're all very good looking uh one thing that is kind of polarizing is you see nicol bolus's horns in all five of them and to me i don't like that it actually makes them feel the same to me but I am not an appreciator of art other than just like basically on the ultimate superficial level. So I'm not entirely sure my opinion is, well, I know for a fact my opinion is irrelevant when it comes to art. In fact, it's irrelevant when it comes to a lot of things. But I thought that the art does really embrace a water theme a plains theme a forest theme mountains are like the biggest stretch probably um swamp is very clearly in a swamp um overall really like them um as i said on twitter by the way absolutely do not follow me on twitter at mtg headquarters because you'll probably regret it but i talked about how yes full art lands are cool but um you know they're really not special anymore, so let's just kind of get over that and let's make all art, all sets have full art lands. I mean, you're not really talking about much of an increase in cost here. And really, I mean, everyone likes them better. I don't care. I mean, we just had them in Battle for Zendikar, Oath of the Gatewatch, and we're already reprinting them again in Amonkhet. We took only one set off. So, I mean, let's just put them in every pack. Uh, there's really no point in putting them in one out of four unless you're legitimately trying to create um, fake rarity um, 
or fake field goes, if you pay, I pulled nothing, but hey, at least I got a full art land. That's probably what it is because, you know, Wizards of the Coast, they love to evoke feeling, right? I mean, the feels, they're all about the feels over the reels. We know this. And some people appreciate that. I, on the other hand, am not a huge fan of the feels over the reels. Um, so I thought pretty, pretty, uh, crazy news along with my crazy hair that um, you may be seeing but um, you know for this week's cast there's a, a lot to talk about and I feel like I have a unique opinion about these things even though literally everybody and their mother has done screen capture videos going over these product releases or fancy powerpoints of course overall all good stuff I think um I'm a little nervous about Modern Masters, and I talked about it in this week's video um, for the curious case of Modern Masters 2017, and I can guarantee nobody listens to this podcast and doesn't watch my videos, at least currently, but if you missed that one, um, I, I talk about a couple of interesting things that I find interesting I would love to get your feedback on. All right, well, I think now we have a, a, a moment. Let's pause for a moment and make time for a mini HQ rant. It's not often. Most people actually think I'm much angrier than I really am. Even people that work with me on a daily basis, I definitely have some resting bitch face. I mean, that that is certain. Um, and a lot of people talk to me about, you know, they'll say, oh, you look angry or whatever. They'll look at my tweets and they'll say like, oh, damn, dude, HQ's fucking pissed. But that's not really, I'm very rarely that mad about things. And, but one thing that really kind of grinds my gears is when people... You know, I definitely am skewing a little bit to the more cr criticizing things versus I, 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 I lean more towards the critical side of things than the pure hype train. Because I feel like everybody and their mother and brother and their sister's uncle are out there suckling at the Watsi teat, providing a nonstop hype train for people. So I try to be a bit of a contrarian. I try to recognize things when they're good, and maybe I don't do a good job of that. But I get called out specifically today i got called out a little bit about like hey you're so negative hq something definitely changed when i was kind of dumping on modern mass the new modern master set but here's the thing here's the thing people uh, some people don't always get most of you get it you have to judge sets like modern masters you have to put them under a separate microscope or look at them through a different lens you can't just say Wow, Grizzlebrand's getting reprinted. That's awesome. Like, so many hypologists do that and then get stuck there. But I'm looking at it from a consumer standpoint. Hey, you just paid 10 bucks and you got the pack art chase rare and it's worth two bucks. Feels good, man. Like, I am not excited about Grizzlebrand in this set unless it's that rare. If Grizzlebrand is a mythic, that's a dud mythic in my opinion at a 9.99 MSRP. It's very easy to get excited about things like I'm on cat when people are like, oh, geez, oh, there's, there's full art lands. This is so great. Yeah, 
full art lands are cool, but I'm like looking at it through a different lens here where, okay, you gave us full art lands, but now you made them one in every four packs. What's the point of that? And so it's easy to get caught up just completely enveloping the teat that is Watsi or the mothership in nonstop hype. But not enough people believe in healthy criticism. And I do admit that sometimes my criticism tends to get a little too often, a little too negative. And I think, if anything, this podcast has kind of made me analyze, self-analyze a little bit more. And I'm going to try to at least counterweigh um, the negative posts with some positive posts because there are good things to the Modern Masters set. It's not all doom and gloom. Um, there are a lot of things to be worried about, to be concerned about with Modern Masters. You know, is Wizards going to use it as a vehicle to just finally kill off Modern? Is it going to be great? Uh, you know, it's like they can't win, right? It's getting pre-sold $60 under MSRP, and I don't know what the heck to even think about that. But at the same point, um, why would I complain about that, right? What the best case scenario is the set is great. It sells for, you know, $180 to $200, and it's widely available. And there, everybody wins. But it's easy to forget that you know these packs are 10 bucks each like i'm looking at the what whatever they're reprinting and i'm collecting e, uh calculating ev i'm thinking about you guys and gals i'm thinking about the people that have to buy the packs i'm thinking about the people that have to make the tough decision that yes life isn't that bad if you're buying 10 dollars packs of magic cards we all agree all right we play a hobby it's great but the reality is we make choices with our money and these Modern Masters packs better damn well be worth the $10 price tag or close to it. And um, that's the lens that I look through things. So don't be so overly positive all the time, I think is the key. I mean, you don't want to be too negative. You don't want to get into my territory a little bit. But you can't just... The days are gone of just being thankful this card game exists. I mean, it's owned by Hasbro, multi-billion dollar international corporation. Magic the Gathering is not going anywhere. It's totally understandable, totally well within your right to criticize things about the game. It doesn't make you a hater. It makes you, it shows that you love the game more, I think by healthy criticism, always keeping people on their toes is what makes the game stay great. And if they're not hearing if all they hear is about how great everything is, that's far more dangerous. All right, let's shift gears into a little Magic the Gathering story time. And now this is definitely an interesting story, a, a clickbait story. Not a clickbait story, a clickable story. Something I would have loved to share for episode like 100. But I'm also very interested in getting people over here to the podcast on SoundCloud or on the Magic the Gathering headquarters, MTG headquarters website. I don't want to keep publishing these videos to YouTube. I want to keep them kind of its own thing. So it's just a different way to enjoy each other. So we're going to jump into a story time. And this story time is going to be about the history of MTG headquarters and the Manosaurus. 
Okay, it is finally here, the full story. And you are being rewarded uh, for hanging around to the end of this podcast, or you may be just staring at my the side of my head in on video format right now. But again, the videos probably won't stay around. Um, so a lot of people are always wondering, you know, like, why... Why do you hate Wedge so much? Why do you hate Wedge so much? What's going on? Why do you hate him? Why do you always bust his balls? And to be honest, I really don't hate the guy. Um, I don't really hate anybody. There's very few people in the world that I hate. Um, I'm highly critical of him because I don't agree with a lot of things he says and a lot of things he's done. And I can guarantee you that feeling is mutual. Um, but to know, to understand why I'm so rough on that kid is because we started out as friends. I had an established channel um, when I first met this kid. And... Um, we got along fine. We did a few um, live streams. We talked on Skype one night for like a couple of hours. We share some of the same physical ailments. We both have IBS. <laughs> and I don't think we talked about it at that time. Um, of course, I don't make a, a habit of whining about my IBS all the time. Zing! Um, Maybe one day, maybe for episode 100, I'll tell you all the story of how I once shit my pants in a Walmart, and that was in the last two years. But anyway, I digress. I, I, I don't remember. This is so many years ago. I don't remember how we ended up really on opposite sides of things. It all kind of started with this private Facebook group with of MTG content creators. So you get a bunch of egos in there. And um, everyone, you know, naturally starts picking sides and things. And it's really a kind of a toxic place to be in this Facebook group. And Lord knows that I certainly push buttons, right? I certainly am no saint myself. And there was something where I think, I don't remember if this is exactly where it kicked off, but... Um, it was another content creator had been kind of shit on by uh, a, a, another content creator who's really no longer relevant. Neither one of them really make videos anymore that I know of. But um, a much larger content creator and a much smaller content creator were having a, a spat. I think it was Absolute MTG and Mr. Lubufu. I stood with Mr. Lubufu against Absolute MTG. Again, now this all seems so trivial. And uh, whatever that kid's name is, Nick or something like that, whatever. I forget what his name is, Adam, Nick or something. I've never even talked to him directly, I don't think. And I certainly don't hold anything against him. It's so stupid, right? Well, this is like teenage drama, a bunch of kids. To me, it was kind of, it's kind of fun to push people's buttons. Um, but really, uh, finding an enemy in, in this community is what a lot of us creators do to motivate us to grow, right? Funny anecdote, one of the first times I ever talked to Anthony or whatever, Wedge, um, he proudly proclaimed that he had all of us other content creators on a whiteboard, all of our subscribers. Like he was obsessed with subscribers and views, growing his channel, getting big. 
I liked that. Uh, I thought, hey, here's somebody that kind of thinks the same way I do, although I don't obsess over subscribers. Um, you know, subscribers are, are pretty much worthless. I mean, uh, if you had 10 subscribers, but you were getting 50,000 views per video, you'd be a lot happier than someone with 150,000 subscribers getting 10 views a video, right? So, um, or maybe not, but practically, economically speaking, views are what matter, not subscribers. Um, I think there was that. And then, of course, everyone was shit-talking everyone else, myself included, right? Um, there was kind of a divide-driven. Then there was, like, another secret Facebook group where they would get together and they would shit-talk me, Kevin and Wedge and the Quacks, all these people. So we started to kind of hate each other a little bit there. And um, I hold no ill will against any of these people because I know everyone's just being petty. And in fact, McQuacks and I, I would say, have buried that hatchet. Um, you know, he doesn't care for me. I, I really nothing him. I mean, I think his videos were funny. He stopped making videos, but um, whatever. You know, I think about him. This is the first time I thought about that guy in probably three years, right? There are a couple of main things that happened. One was really my failed game finder app and I had a Kickstarter for an app that would help magic players find other magic players or whatever games hence the game finder and during my fundraising stage he was actively discouraging other content creators from helping me promote it whether indirect or he would intimidate them threaten them I was not a part of these personal chats, but several content creators told me about it. It all came to a head when Kevin from Deeriums did a promotional video and they got into it, right? Um, a lot of you don't even know this. Deeriums has since rage quit the magic community um, making Pokemon videos. Good for him. He's got some deep-seated uh, issues, but you know, I always considered him a friend until he uh, raged quit the community and told everyone to unsubscribe from me for some crazy reason. It had no effect on me. A couple hundred subscribers and life goes on. But um, they got into it and because there were like some secret Skype calls that Kevin said he had recorded, which I never think he really had recorded. He had one call recorded. But even what was on there really wasn't that damning. You know, it was just some other people shit talking me. Um, or my app and um, you know I want to be clear the app still got to funding I think the reason it failed is that um, I didn't raise enough money and I was inexperienced at app development so I overpaid for the app um, maybe that'll be different uh, I'll probably do a different podcast on why GameFinder failed because I thought it was a great idea and I've seen lots of other people try to make the same app so definitely other people think there's a need for that but um, it didn't work the greatest, and I, I, I needed probably someone partnered up with me who knew more about app development. That's neither here nor there. I never had a, a personal vendetta against this kid, against Anthony, until he tried to fuck with my business. He was actively getting trying to get people to not back my product or not promote it, whatever the case may be. And that was kind of when, when things flipped for me. 
I was like, look, we can have our petty arguments, but I put my heart and soul into this thing. And I'm trying to, I needed the whole community to come to, to come together to help raise the funds and raise awareness because one of the big things, you know, the functionality problems weren't really what killed it. It was when they launched, there wasn't, wasn't enough people on it. So people would log on, try to find somebody, not find somebody and probably never open it again. Right. And so I needed really the magic community is not very big and I needed everyone to kind of promote this and, and, and be a part of it. I, I paid, I had to pay all the content creators, even small guys. I had to pay money to promote this app. And that was pretty sad. Although I will say Brian from Tolarian community college, uh, reviewed it for, did not charge me money. Never asked me, never asked me for money, but everyone else needed to be paid. So you build up this picture of somebody. I mean, I know all these content creators on a very personal level. I mean, I'm not sleeping in bed with them, but I know them very well. And um, I know their motivations. I know how they really are behind the scenes. And Wedge has always been a me first conniving kind of guy. He's like that thing that, um, so he leached onto me and sucked up to me in the beginning to, to leech subs off me. And he did it to every, he does it to everyone else. I mean, like, this is a guy that had Leafy in his sub box. You know what I'm saying? Like all he cares about is subscribers. And it'd be one thing if he was genuine about it, right? And set it up front, but. So I've always like I'm really allergic to phonies. And so I've always seen him. He's he's probably a very nice guy and he's done some good things. He's raised some money for charity. I I'm not like the guy. I'm not friends with the guy in real life. So like when I see him at GP Vegas, I'm not going to be mean to him, right? I have you know like all that stuff is in the past. But him hurting GameFinder in that way always stuck with me. And I'll blame him for its failure, but he made it much harder for it to succeed. And I've always held that against him. And then I saw how he was manipulating other content creators, drawing sides. Um, I see how he's, oh, I mentioned like those things, you know, what are they? Um, those things that are like parasites that sit on the shark and then the shark lets them hang out there because and then they just pick off the leavings. Like, that's how he is with Brian, right? I mean, he is him. And, I mean, his channel would have been dead a long time ago if it weren't for the constant promotion from Brian, Watsy, and now Darium. Like, his, I mean, um, and that's okay. What do I care, right? I mean, I'm still doing just fine. And, um, I think he's going to be just fine. But he does stuff. He does stuff that I that I don't like. For example, he'll tweet out some crazy stuff about there's white supremacists in the White House. That happened this past weekend. I'm not this is an actual tweet that he sent out. And so I'm like, damn, dude, this guy's got twenty thousand followers and he's trying to tell people that, you know, um Adolf Hitler is, is in the White House. And that's just not a good thing to be telling people. It's not smart. Um, not to matter whether or not I agree or not. I point that stuff out very aggressively because there is groupthink at the top in the in the Magic the Gathering YouTube community. Let's be honest. I'm not a part of that, right? So it's like Manasaurus, Wedge, and like Rudy's been real, uh, real um, 
diplomatic, so he's kind of hanging in there. But I'm existing out here on my own for the for the most part. I built this shit on my own too. And I don't need other content creators constantly retweeting my stuff or telling people to go subscribe to my channel. I do it. And if I if I need someone to do that, I pay them with money to do that. So um I'm kind of going all over this. We have a very long history. And again, I want to reiterate, I don't have anything against the guy, but it started to get personal when he came after my money. And then he does stupid shit like I get banned from Wizards chat permanently and I was following the rules. And who's a moderator in their chat? And I wonder. So I see all these things and I, 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 I paint a picture of why I don't like the guy uh, as a content creator. I don't have any problem with him as a man. Don't know him as a man dislike him greatly as a content creator and i've seen how he manipulates people he uses his health problems to garner um sympathy and then you know uses that to profit right oh i can't work i can't work i have ibs i can't work well i have ibs and i work 100 hours a week oh your ibs must be worse okay well you can't do a job that you work from home like he represents a lot of what i don't like you know i went to college for eight years paid for every penny of it with my own money that i earned either or through loans and then have repaid after my parents were dirt poor and they grew and they work hard they worked hard and i worked hard and so i look at somebody who's constantly looking for excuse for everything and it bothers me and so he gets probably more heat than he rightfully deserves but all these interactions i've had with him over the past few years have been terrible I've heard about gatekeeping, about who Blake Rasmussen can actually promote. I mean, it's no coincidence that they're always promoting either Brian or Wedge or, or direct friends of them, right? They're not promoting anyone else out there. Look how they treat Travis Wu, a pro player. That brings me back to this weekend. Here's another perfect example of the kind of behavior he displays and it goes completely unchecked because there's nobody in the community loud enough other than myself to rise up against it. And so I have to really make sure I stay vigilant. I feel like I have to stay vigilant and, and really point out this stuff when it happens. And so it spills over on my Twitter and you all get kind of brought into it. But like he, he, he sent out a tweet basically shitting on Travis Wu this weekend, right? I don't support Travis Wu. I never have. Blah, 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 blah. He's a white supremacist. He didn't say that, but it was in response to a cancer blog, Hipster of the Coast. And me even mentioning that will probably get them more traffic than they've ever seen. But they, you know, he publicly shits on Travis Wu. He doesn't know Travis. I know Travis. I consider Travis a friend. And so I'm like, no, buddy, fuck you. I'm going to point this out. And sure enough, Travis replies to him. And then 10 minutes later, he posts and makes another post. Social media is too toxic. I got to get off for the weekend. I'm like, what? You fucking started it, bro. Like you shit on unsolicited shit on Travis Wu, a man you've never interacted with before ever. And then people are like, whoa, wait a minute, dude. Who the, who are you? And then. Oh, I'm the victim. I'm the victim. I'm the victim. Give me Patreon dollars, right? I can't stand that. Of all the content creators in this community, I have no problem with any one of them. Even Brian and I, who publicly, you know, disagree. I hung out with that guy at last GP Vegas. 
And I pushed him too far in the offseason. And you know what? If he was never associated with Wedge, him and I would probably still be friends, at least if it were up to me. If he doesn't like me because of my political views and he chose to disassociate, that'd be okay. But him and I would still be friends if it were up to me. Um, he unfortunately gets sucked into that. Uh, he's enabling uh, really bad behavior, in my opinion. And... You know, I would love to sit down with Anthony in Vegas, have a drink. He probably doesn't drink, but, you know, have a sandwich and uh, find a way. I know we're never going to be friends. Um, there's so much stuff I'm leaving out, but people want to know why I'm so aggressive about him. Him and I have a long history, and I think he's very wrong in the way he treats people and, and the things that he says publicly on Twitter. And there's nobody speaking out against it. And now you see, now that I've taken some of the slings and arrows from the social justice warriors in Magic the Gathering and stood up and said no, now you see a grassroots of the normies coming around. And so now this weekend when I said, no, enough is enough. You can't talk shit about my friends, especially when you're wrong. You can talk shit about them if you're right. But, and sure enough, that those tweets get tons of favorites and retweets and he runs off social media. The more, I feel like the more examples of this that exist, the clearer picture people will get on YouTube. Uh, of who their content creators are. Why does it matter who they are? It's because these people are begging for money too, right? I've needed money before for chance of surgery, but I also work. I work as hard as I can. I don't just live off donations. And so I think it's important that people see this side of people. And, you know, a lot of Magic players, they're really like, uh, really anti-confrontation even wedges. And even when he throws the first stone, he, he it's like he throws a rock at your house and then runs away when you come out and you're like, hey, whoa, what, what, do, you, what do you think you're doing here? Throwing rocks at my house? Come, come here. Let me talk to you about that rock you threw at my house. No! Block it. Block, 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 block. Cancer. This guy, this guy's a regressive. Or he's an all right white supremacist. That's how people like him react. He is heavy on the block button. I actually had to block somebody for the first time. I had to block a couple people for the first time ever on Twitter because they were harassing people that were interacting with me. So I guess I, I can give them a break for blocking some people. But um, if you're going to still talk shit about them, well, then maybe you should do so. And I, I saw Travis replied directly to his tweet. And Travis's reply got a bunch of favorites. <laughs> and of course, Wedge never confronted him directly, even though he had every avenue to reach out to him. He preferred to talk shit about him and then run away. So why do I take this take this up? It's Nobody asked me to be the this representative for the normies or, um, you know, to point this stuff out. It's important to me because I've seen the world really change over the past five years, really become about political identity. And I see Brian and Wedge retweeting these horrendous articles from Salon or Huffington Post. 
man-hating crap. And I can't stand it. And they have a huge reach, far more than I do. So I have to, I have to be very loud when I, when I oppose these things. And if I don't, if I don't constantly try to actively promote the other side of thinking or, or point out what I think is ridiculous behavior, it will then just be accepted broadly by everyone. And that can't happen. What I can guarantee is the things that I post aren't 100% correct and the things they post aren't 100% correct. The truth is somewhere in the middle, right? Um, when Wedge says he thinks the White House, <laughs> funny, when there's white supremacy in, in place in this country, that is insanity, okay? I can't let that go. And this is an actual tweet, and he's done way worse. And the problem is Magic players read that, and they look up to you. They look up to Wedge, and they see that, and they're like, oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe there is a boogeyman. Maybe every man is oppressing women in local game stores. That's why I take a lot of heat is because I'm like, no, I stand up and I say, no, this is bullshit. Are there isolated incidents? Of course. And so I get myself a little bit of trouble. And I've gone all over the place here. I've been as candid as I can. As far as I know, everything I've represented has been 100% truth. And I've looked out for him before. People forget when people say that I don't care about that kid, when he was in all that trouble, let me leave you with this thought. There was a time last summer, two summers ago, when all this Game Finder drama was going down. And Darium, who likes to stir the pot even more than I do, comes to me and says, I have Wedge on a recording. I have him on the phone. Or I have him recorded saying all this shit. I'm going to release it. And Wedge was literally, I didn't see this, but I was told by Brian, who I, I believe... On a ball, in a ball, crying on the ground, having a, a breakdown over all the trouble that was that he started. He started it. When all this was coming to a head, I'm the one that picked up the phone and called Kevin at two in the morning and said, "Please don't release this." I'm the one that stopped it from happening, even though I was the victim of it. Okay. Now, save your awards, obviously, I'm a bit of a shitlord. But what I'm saying is, if you go back and you connect the dots, you had Kevin put out this video the last day on his YouTube channel saying how terrible I was. You go ask him, who was calling him at 2 in the morning telling him to back off Wedge? It was me. I called Brian, the professor. I negotiated this ceasefire, even though I was the one that it was that was negatively affected by it. So I've always resented him for that because when the chips were on the table and he was having a really hard time, even though it was because of shit he started, I rose up and I said, enough is enough. Let him be. He gets the point. But then look at now this weekend, the kid never learned. He doesn't learn. Then he comes out and he shit talks Travis. And guess what? Travis put out a video and, and told him he was going to tell, tell him how it was, kind of a low T beta male. But he didn't. He backed it off. And why did he back it off? Because he said he felt bad for him. So this kid just keeps starting shit and can't handle it. And so I think it's very toxic. In fact, the whole MTG community would probably be a lot better off um, if him and I had never gotten into our spat, right? 
if him and I, if this Facebook group never was created and he was just making his videos and I was just making my videos, we never had this negative interaction. I think everybody would be good, but also remember that I want you to watch whoever's videos you like, and I don't want you to hate him. I don't want you to send hate his way. And if you don't like that, I talked about this on my podcast then I recommend not listening because I'm going to keep it real on my podcast. And I am who I am. Not everyone's like that. You ask the hundreds of people that I interact with every week via DM, Facebook, or email. I wonder if all my fellow content creators are that interactive. You ask them if, I'm, if I keep it 100, and I promise you I do, and they'll tell you the same thing. And this podcast is a great way for me to connect directly with all of you. This will be probably you know, one of the longest ones ever. But the bottom line is, don't make my problems your problems. Don't make other people's problems your problems. Life is hard enough. And I don't really want to go back through all this stuff with him at any point. Because now I've laid it all out there. I hope you've enjoyed this story time. Next week, we'll do something fun. Maybe I'll get a guest. Let me know uh, who you want to see on the show next week. We'll bring it up. We'll make it happen. 